You're listening to Brain Biohacking with your host, Kayla Barnes. We dive into all things optimal health, nutrition, peak performance, cognitive excellence, biohacking, longevity, and so much more. Welcome back to Brain Biohacking. Today, I'm speaking with my friend, Micah Lowe, also known as the Ozonaut. We're going to dive deep into all things what is ozone, how can you use it, and what the benefits may be. Stay tuned. I know you're going to love this episode. Um, so there's ozone therapy at home options. Um, there's rectal insufflation, vaginal insufflation, ear insufflation, which is just going into the ears. And all these are using a small amount of gas and exposing it to the body in some way. Okay, so Micah, I am so excited to have you here with me today. Um, I've been a big fan of Ozone and your machine specifically for quite a few years now. So it's a pleasure to finally get you on the show and talk all things Ozone. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to talk about it. Obviously, I always love talking about Ozone therapy and the ways it can help people. Absolutely. So you're definitely an expert. We're going to dive into all sorts of things today. But I kind of want to start at the beginning. How did you get into ozone? Your family was in ozone, right? Yeah. Well, not ozone specifically. So it started off with my dad, who was kind of a serial entrepreneur, one of those guys that had a lot of tenacity, came from somewhat of a blue collar background and uh, probably failed more businesses than he succeeded in. Uh, one of the failures that uh, we like to joke about is this... Uh, it's actually really cool now thinking from a more holistic standpoint, but like the location and some things just didn't line up with the area at all. And he had like this kind of Amish holistic uh, grocery store. It was this whole whole thing. And anyway, it, it just had a very funny brand behind it that kind of had the aesthetic of the late 80s and all that stuff. So, but anyway, um, he was a serial entrepreneur, um, always very pragmatic in his thinking. So he was taking things taking these problems that people hadn't addressed and tried to solve them. And he did it in a way that provided a lot of value to people in any company that he ever did. So he was in between companies at one point because he had a pretty large company in asbestos abatement at one point. I think it was like 40 to 70 employees, that kind of thing. And then he got out of that. Um, and so he was in between trying to figure out what to do. And one guy at our church was a missionary in West Africa, and he came back and was talking with my dad. And it's like, uh, at some point in the conversation, they brought up UBI. And he's like, yeah, we have this machine called ultraviolet blood irradiation. And essentially, it you take out some blood, uh, expose it to the ultraviolet light, and that kills off bacteria, virus, things in the blood. And then it goes back into the body, kind of like an auto vaccine. So they were treating very serious infections out in the bush in Africa, um, sepsis, uh, rabies, because they don't have the treatments that we do, all sorts of things that were very life-threatening. And so my dad was like, huh, that sounds kind of weird, but I'll look into it. And he's a researcher, like I said, very pragmatic. So out of that, a failed clinic and some other things came this ultraviolet blood irradiation device that I actually helped to uh, work on with him along that process. And I was pretty young. So he was more just giving me a job and some things to do, but it really sparked my interest in, in healthcare. And long-term, I wanted to become a doctor once we kind of got involved with that. Um, but anyway, he started dealing this ultraviolet blood irradiation and showing doctors. And we got the attention of uh, Dr. Michael Hamlin at Harvard 
And things just kind of took off with it because it's working with uh, chronic diseases. It's a preventative care, all sorts of stuff that we'll get into more. But then I was working with him and I started talking to all these doctors, right? Because I was helping manage the office, the operations of things. And I was talking to a dozen doctors a day. And I noticed they were all talking about ozone therapy and they were doing it with the UBI at the same time. And I started to learn about it and uh, it just really piqued my interest. So I wanted to get into something for myself. Um, and I had a couple businesses at that point. One of them kind of failed. Another one just fizzled out because it just wasn't worth the time. Um, and so this ozone therapy opportunity came up and I was like, hey, I think I could make this better because the machines on the market at that time were uh, about $3,000, pretty expensive. So I worked with a local engineer and some other people and we came up with a device at the time that was 650 bucks for the same thing. So that was kind of my entrance into ozone therapy from a business perspective, um, from more of a philosophical or like personal perspective. Um, I was always interested in healthcare. I got pretty much halfway through nursing school and I dropped out to do this. And, you know, I think from a mission standpoint, my calling is to alleviate suffering in the world. So this was just a really good blend of things for me. It had healthcare, it had the challenge of business. It had the idea of bringing something to people that they don't necessarily know about that can really help them. Yeah, I agree. I think ozone is such a powerful tool. And I, I think it's kind of sad that we don't use it more in medicine because again, and we'll talk about some of the benefits of ozone, but I just think it's a really powerful but underutilized tool. And ozone's been studied for a long time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the first medical usage that I can find, could find was, I, I'm a little fuzzy on the dates on some of this because it's things you read two years ago, but it was like 18... 73, I want to say, and this doctor was using it for skin infections, right? So back then we didn't have the antibiotics and things of that nature. So they found that generating ozone, it was a really strong antiseptic going to World War One. They started using it on wounds, you know, because a lot of times those wounds would get so infected, you're risking life or limb, literally. So they would have to cut off limbs from bullet wounds and things of that nature. Um, and that was where it started to be like, huh, this is kind of interesting. We're getting rid of these very severe infections that nothing else can touch. Um, and then from there, uh, let's skip up to the 60s. There was this guy named Dr. Velio Bacci, who was kind of a conventional scientist. And he started to hear about ozone therapy. And at that point, they were doing it, mixing it with blood, doing the rectal insufflation, doing some of these other therapies. Um, not as an oxidant to kill off bacteria and virus, but to actually help the immune system to boost it or modulate it um, to help basically get rid of some of the viral load that people were dealing with, oxygen efficiency, all these things. So it sparked his interest. And this was the guy that actually laid the scientific groundwork all the way back in the 60s. He dedicated his entire career to ozone therapy because he really felt like, wow, this is something that could change a lot of lives um, even something as trivial as the ozone gels and oils that they came up with, uh, he predicted would replace pharmaceutical creams for really any infectious, uh, any skin infection. So MRSA, uh, gangrene, things, things like that. Um, so he laid the scientific groundwork, still wasn't improved in countries around the world, getting up to the 80s, 90s. That's when it came into the United States started to spread across Europe, get a really good scientific basis to it. A lot of studiers, a lot of researchers, a lot of scientists were involved in this. 
And now it's approved in, I believe, 22 countries around the world. There's, oh, it's it's hard to estimate, but I would guess about 80,000 doctors worldwide using ozone therapy on a regular basis. In the United States, it's probably more close to 8,000 to 10,000 doctors regularly using it. But yeah, it's been studied for a very long time and has a lot of good benefits. Okay, so we know that ozone has been studied for a long time, but let's walk the listeners through all the ways that you can use ozone. So I've done it rectally. I've made ozone water. There's so many different things to do. Can you walk us through how to use ozone at home? Yeah. So essentially there's two ways to break down ozone therapy. One is a ozone as a systemic treatment, meaning that it's going to benefit the whole body, oxygen uptake, microcirculation, immune modulation, some detox effects. So those are things that are stimulating the entire body on a fundamental level. So whether that's chronic disease or something, it's just going to help it out um, or preventative care for that matter. Then there's local treatments, meaning like if I have a skin infection, I can expose that area alone to the ozone and it's going to kill off the bad bacteria. It's going to stimulate some of the healing processes, but it's not necessarily going to affect the entire body. Um, so there's ozone therapy at home options. Um, there's rectal insufflation, vaginal insufflation, ear insufflation, which is just going into the ears. And all these are using a small amount of gas and exposing it to the body in some way. There's ozone water, which is primarily for like dental infections, lavaging of wounds and that kind of thing. A lot of people drink it. There's not a whole lot of scientific study on like uh, what it does when you drink it. it certainly seems to be safe. Uh, certainly good for stomach infections, uh, damaged stomach lining, uh, things like that. But as far as like a systemic benefit, people say that it helps, but we don't know for sure. So those are kind of the basic ways to do it at home. Um, and rectal insufflation probably is the best way to do that because you're getting that good systemic treatment um, from the ozone therapy. And it's comparable to the IVs, not quite as effective, but it's going to give you a lot of the same response that IV ozone therapy would. Okay, great. And actually, at the clinic that um, I'm a partner in, that I mentioned to you before we started, we have um, ozone IVs. And I will say this, you know, so that my podcast doesn't get any dings or anything, but during the recent times, it has seemed to be quite effective at getting rid of bacteria and popular viruses. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So if you're looking at intravenous ozone, we're taking out a small amount of blood and mixing it with ozone gas and then putting it back into the body. So, and I want to preface too, uh, you can't breathe ozone. So that's the one application we can't use it in. And then people are like, well, if you can't breathe it, why does it work for blood or why does it work for rectal insufflation? Well, the reason is, is because there's antioxidant defenses in those areas. So in your blood, there's antioxidant defenses that the ozone goes and interacts with that creates a cascade effect. So lots of different things are happening. It's creating some peroxides. Um, but when you're breathing it into the lungs, there's no antioxidant defenses there. So it's going to interact directly with the lungs. Small amounts are totally fine. There's even a safe limit by OSHA standards. Um, it's just, you wouldn't want to be breathing in a lot of ozone, uh, for a long period of time, but yeah, going back to the IVs and, and why that helps, um, essentially it's the ozone is not going to be traveling through the body, right? So the ozone gas, um, isn't going to be going through your blood, killing off the bacteria and virus. That's kind of a simple way to understand it. Not bad. Uh, you know, for me, like with the UBI, I have to say it's kind of like an auto vaccine. And then when I talk to a scientist on it, they're like, oh, you're wrong. You don't. But it's it's the way I explain it because it makes sense to me. Um, the more 
accurate way of how ozone works in the body is that it goes in and interacts with these antioxidants and it creates an immune modulation effect. So what that means is if you have an autoimmune disorder, it's going to bring it down. And if you're immunosuppressed, it's going to bring it up. So if you have a large viral load, usually it means that your immune system isn't going to be working to fight that off. So if we apply ozone therapy, it's going to boost that immune system, bring it into homeostasis where it's supposed to be at, and then your body is going to do the work from there. So ozone therapy isn't going in and forcing a certain reaction to happen. What it's essentially doing is it's helping your body to perform as it should. And a healthy body is going to be able to fight off bacteria, virus, and we need things for support like ozone therapy or supplements or, or exercise or whatever you're doing. But um, it's really just helping the body to perform as it should. And that's essentially what it's doing. Great. So let's go back to rectal insufflation. So how does one do it? What is a safe amount of ozone to be doing on a weekly or daily basis? Yeah, rectal insufflation involves taking out a small amount of ozone gas, and that would be anywhere from 100 cc's up to 400 cc's, which if you don't know what that is, that's like maybe two 60 cc syringes. Well, I just said cc, but it's like two uh, normal size syringes. So they're not big syringes. It's not a big amount of gas. Um, so you collect that amount into a bag, you have an oxygen tank, it runs through the what's called an ozone generator, and that converts the oxygen into the ozone gas. Then the ozone gas goes into a little bag that's measured out. And once you have the appropriate amount, you just take the bag off, hook it to a catheter that's inserted only three inches. And the reason is, is because that will put it next to the portal vein. Uh, then you just dispense the ozone into the colon. Um, take the total process. Once you know what you're doing, takes about three minutes. And the nice thing is you don't really have to hold it for longer than 20, 30 seconds, because what happens is the ozone actually interacts with the mucosal wall and the antioxidants there. And then a lot of the oxygen is actually absorbed into the portal vein and into the bloodstream. And then those lipid peroxides and those things are carried throughout the blood up to the liver and dispersed throughout the body. So it's really a terrific treatment. Um, but yeah, it's pretty simple, can be done in about three minutes a day and relatively inexpensive if it's something you have to do regularly. Yeah, let's talk about the cost really quick. So at first, you mentioned that ozone used to be like around $3,000. So what can you kind of get your setup for now if people want to use this on an ongoing basis? Yeah, so there's a number of accessories. Um, so it depends on like what you want to do with it. If you want to do everything under the sun, you're probably going to pay 1500 1600 bucks. But if you just really want a basic setup, you just want that systemic ozone treatment and the rectal insulation, about a thousand bucks. Uh, to get everything going. And there's a few companies out there that work with it. Um, so I think it's important to know that the technology between there's basically in the US three different companies, the technology between the companies are not monumentally different. Basically, they all achieve the same three, the same thing with some different results, and the same purity of ozone gas. So you as the consumer, it really doesn't matter who you buy from. Uh, the important thing is just that you buy from somebody you feel comfortable from, with. Um, don't go really cheap because there are some companies out there that cut corners. Um, and what I mean by that is they're using materials within the machine that are not ozone resistant. So uh, the ozone gas goes in, it's a strong oxidant, it interacts with some sort of plastic or something of that nature. And that is going to be putting that into your body. So you want to avoid that. But 
um, yeah, just look for companies that are going to have good service because it's a little bit of an education hump to get over after about an hour or so. You'll feel pretty confident, but it's really nice to have that backup if you need it. Um, lifetime warranty, I think, is good. A few of them have that. And then uh, money back guarantee in case because it doesn't work for everybody. Right. I think it's a really, really good therapy. But if you are just like, hey, I'm not sure what this is going to do for me, just there's um, companies with six month money back guarantees. So you can try it for like four or five months. If it doesn't work, just send it back. Um, so, yeah. Does your company simply O3 have that? Yep. Okay. Yep. Great. So we're, um, and the reason I tell people about the three companies too is just because I want to be open and honest and I want people to feel the most comfortable with whoever they get from. My job is not to convince somebody that they need to buy from me. My job is to educate people about the therapy, what it does, how it works, all those things, and then let them make an informed decision based on that. Um, obviously, I want to make the company as good as possible. So that's why there's the six-month money-back guarantee, the lifetime warranty. Uh, the staff who work there that are doing the support have either been patients that have been helped by ozone or people have worked in a clinic with ozone therapy. Uh, so we have a really good team of people. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, it's pretty simple to get set up with everything. And yeah, I think we have a pretty good company, I want to say, but I want people to make their choice for themselves. No, and, and I would agree with that. I think the customer service is great. I love what you guys are doing. So we talked about how to do the rectal insufflation. So let's talk about the um, the stethoscope that you can have as an add-on that you put in through the ears. So I've heard that there's some brain benefits to this. Can you talk about it? Um, sure. So it's indicated for head issues. So what that means is anything, throat, sinuses, eardrums, ears, um, even the eyes, it can be helpful for. And the reason for that is because there's a lot of tubules in your ear. I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a few of them that connect everything together. So your ears are connected to your sinus are connected to your eyes, connected to your throat. So all of that has some overlap in those different systems. So that's why it can help all those areas. As far as brain benefits, I would say it's a bit more anecdotal. Um, so what I mean by that is that there's a lot of people out there with like Lyme disease, for instance, that um, have brain fog or people that are just having some cognitive issues that report really good results with it. So um, feeling really clear headed, a uh, sense of well-being after things of that nature. Um, but there's not the scientific literature to back it up. There's really only one study that I found that was credible. And it was the first one that basically convinced me that there is some interaction with ozone on the other side of the eardrum because they were working with some hearing loss and they were actually able to reverse some of the effects due to this type of hearing loss using ozone. So what that means is it actually was having some effect on the other side of the eardrum. Now, as far as getting to the brain, I'm not 100% sure. Um, people have all these stories of how it's helped them or you know how they feel after doing it and how it helps them to... Uh, think better, more clearly. But, um, you know, like I said, my job is to put out the information there and let people make a choice. So if it was me, though, and I was like, hey, I want to be able to think more clearly or a brain fog, certainly something I would be doing to try and see if it's going to be helpful for me. Um, but not necessarily guaranteeing like, oh, this is going to give you immense benefits for that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the the information and also being honest because, you know, some of this is anecdotal, but I've definitely heard from people that I know and trust that they've had some benefits, but it's really always important to do your own research. Um, 
Let's talk about ozone and detoxing. So how does it really work and when may be applicable to use? Yeah, so let's say you have a viral load or bacterial load. Um, let's talk about the risk of it first. So if you have a high bacterial load or viral load and um, you start doing ozone therapy and your immune system wasn't quite working properly, what can happen is you kickstart your immune system and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of crap I need to clean out. Uh, but that starts a Herxheimer reaction, which is not fun. Basically, flu-like symptoms can last for a few days. Uh, so if you know that you're sick or you have a large viral bacterial load, just start really low, give it a couple of days before you try it again. Um, and I forgot to mention earlier, this is something that you can do up to five days a week uh, and as minimal as one. Um, so five days a week is more a person with chronic disease. One to two is like somebody preventative care or trying to optimize but yeah, just start on the lower side of things and work your way up and see how your body responds. Um, and I'm sorry, can you say the question one more time? Because I want to make sure I answer it well. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about detoxing. Um, can you explain to us how it actually works? What is the ozone doing to help detox the body? And then when maybe it applicable? So obviously, if you're not feeling well, that's one time. But also, is it good for just general maintenance as well? We know that we're experiencing some of the highest toxic burdens, I would say, that we've ever really had um, from the air to the water to EMFs to all sorts of things. Um, is it something to use on an ongoing basis as well, just to kind of help detox from everyday life? Yeah, personally, I do. And directly it interacts with the liver, especially done when uh, under rectal insufflation. So like I said, it goes from the portal vein up to the liver. And that has a direct effect on it. There's this guy named Tom Shaw, who's a conventional doctor. I believe he works at USC. So he's a professor there, a doctor, and he's working with people who have liver disease. And he's actually able to reverse a number of liver diseases just using rectal insufflation, which is super interesting. He took it to the board and was like, hey, can we roll out this as like a study and use it with all the doctors that are touching liver disease? And they're like, no, it's too crazy. We can't mess with it. Then he's like, well, it's working. So, you know, we're changing lives here. Um, but anyway, so it does have a direct effect on the liver and being able to clear out some of those things. And the reason why, and for IVs, if you're getting a detox effect is it comes down to the oxygen uptake. So essentially it increases our ability to utilize oxygen, which is going to jumpstart the metabolism. So that doesn't necessarily mean how much oxygen you're breathing in. That'd be like VO2 max, something of that nature. It's actually making the oxygen that you're already breathing in, regardless of the amount, work better on a metabolic level. So uh, it's just making that more efficient. It helps with microcirculation, which I know a lot of people mention, but that's a much bigger issue than people give it credit for. If you don't have good circulation throughout your body, you're essentially storing up toxins in the body. There's not good gas exchange. There's not, you know, you're not getting rid of the stuff and putting the stuff into the tissues that you want to be. So it's super important and it's, it's fairly complex. So even a red blood cell has to be able to bend and fold to fit through really small capillaries. So it helps with everything on microcirculation, which causes nutrient exchange, gas exchange to offload the toxins, to unload the nutrients that you need. Um, and that's essentially how it's working with detox. Great. Yeah, that's super helpful. I always feel amazing after I do it. Um, I always sleep really well at night too. I don't know if there's any uh, any science behind that, but let's talk about vaginal insufflation. I don't hear you talk about that one that often. What would someone use that for? 
Yeah, so pretty much the same thing as rectal insufflation. I've heard a couple doctors say something to the essence of if men had vaginas, they'd be doing vaginal insufflation. So, because uh, it's just a better route to apply it, essentially. Takes a little bit longer than the rectal insufflation because the epithelium, uh, the tissue and the lining is a little bit different and it takes a little bit longer to absorb. So a total treatment might take uh, five, six minutes, somewhere in that that area, but it's really having the same effect as it would. Uh, but specifically, it's going to be helping with uh, infections and things like that that are present. So it can be really helpful for that. Uh, I mean, this would be for men or women, but you can also do bladder insufflations for at a clinic that is, uh, for bladder infections, especially chronic bladder infections. I've met a lot of people with chronic bladder infections that have been able to get rid of them, uh, after trying tons of antibiotics, trying tons of different things and ozone is able to go in and clear it up and prevent it from coming back. So, and probably the reason I talk, talk about vaginal insufflation as much is because I feel like a little bit of imposter syndrome, in that, right? Cause I'm probably not the best mouthpiece for that, but uh, yeah, it's a really good therapy. So it's, it's going to have that systemic benefit. It's going to have the local benefits if there's any issues going on uh, and can be really helpful. Well, yeah, as a woman, of course, you know, I want to bring it up. I also have, I think, many women that listen into my podcast. So I wanted to dive a little deeper um, into this subject. So if you were a woman, so obviously you have the choice to go between the two, either the rectal or the vaginal insufflation. What would you recommend if you were going to be doing it on a, um, you know, frequent basis? Take away the infection piece of it. If you don't have an actual infection going on, but you want to get the systemic benefits and you have both options here, what would you choose? Yeah, if we're not, if we're discounting any sort of chronic disease, probably the vaginal insufflation seems to have a good absorption. You can do it for longer and you have to do it less frequently. So um, you can go down to once, twice a week, and you probably shouldn't do more than three times a week. Uh, whereas the rectal insufflation is using a smaller dose of ozone gas because you don't want to put a high volume in there. Um, so you could essentially get uh, more ozone into the system through vaginal insufflation. So if with rectal, you're looking at between 100 to 400, what would be what would you be looking at vaginally? Yeah, so it hooks up directly to the machine. So I can't remember what it equates to an actual uh, flow rate, but essentially there's this like, kind of cylinder type piece, we call it the insert that goes in and it's going to be releasing ozone into the vagina, but there's also a way to, so you don't want pressure to build up, right? So there's like this little release down at the bottom that's allowing ozone gas to come out, come back out and into a destruct. Um, so it, the destruct basically just neutralizes the ozone. So you're not breathing it, but the whole process is five to six minutes. I can't remember the exact uh, amount that would be going in total, but as ozone is coming in, it's also leaving. So, well, thank you for that. Um, I'll have to try it to be honest. So yeah. that's one thing I've never done. You'll have to send me whatever comes with that. Cause I don't think I have that one, but yeah, I would love to. So let's talk about ozone and, and stress. So is this seen as a hermetic stressor? So something that can increase the capacity for stress over time? Or how does ozone kind of interplay with stress? Yeah. And when you're talking about stress, you're talking about the hormetic aspect of it. So um, examples of stress that are healthy would include exercise, ice baths. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you do, right? So you're actually exposing the body to something that's slightly stressful and specifically with the ozone it's oxidative stress 
Uh, but the funny thing with ozone, it's actually able to mitigate chronic oxidative stress. And it does that by, it goes into the body. Uh, it stimulates uh, those processes, but that creates some free radicals. So we know free radicals are not good to have an excess in moderation. They're very healthy because of cell signaling and things of that nature. Um, but what ends up happening is the body identifies the, the oxidative stress, the free radicals, and it says, oh, I need to build and repair. So it actually gets rid of that chronic oxidative stress. But yeah, ozone would be considered a hormetic therapy, just like exercise, just like uh, doing ice baths, something of that nature that stimulates what's known as the NRF2 pathway. If you guys want to read on that, you can at doctorsozone.com, which is drsozone.com. But essentially, that's a very important pathway for healing in the body. Um, and the reason you can't do too much ozone is because if you do too much, you're actually causing too much stress, just like too much exercise or being in the ice water way too long. Uh, that's not healthy because your body isn't going to have that time to respond to it and to repair back stronger. So it, in that sense, it creates a higher tolerance for oxidative stress. So if you're somebody that's in chronic oxidative stress, we start off with a low dose that mitigates some of it and you continue to do it until you're out of that cycle of chronic oxidative stress. Very good to know. And you're using this with athletes more and more these days, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember, I think it was like 2016, there was like this European cycling team that started using it. And that kind of piqued my interest because I was like, these cyclists are starting to use it. We've been selling it for cancer, Lyme, mold, uh, you know, all that stuff. And they're using it. And then I did some reading and there's actually literature on people having increased oxygen efficiency, increased oxygen within the body uh, that they're utilizing better. So for people that have long distance sports, it's really effective for. So a lot of triathletes, a lot of cyclists, uh, a lot of marathon runners, um, all of those things that can be really helpful for. Um, and people generally experience with that, like if you do an ozone therapy an hour before going to the gym you just feel better. It's a, it's kind of a weird phenomenon. Cause you're like, I'm not getting nearly as tired as I normally would. Um, cause sometimes if I go off for say like a couple months and I'm, you know, busy and in life or whatever, and then I go back on, go out and play some basketball and like, huh, it's been two hours. And normally I'd be pretty gassed at this point, but I feel pretty good. So that's kind of the experience that people feel, uh, pretty commonly when they're using ozone. Um, I think one of the stories that I really like, his name was Brian Johnson, and he called me and we would talk quite a bit because uh, I was just really curious what his results would be doing everything he did before, except adding in ozone therapy. So we essentially had a pretty good um, case study with this guy. It wasn't written out in that way, but he had been journaling everything that he had been doing from diet to exercise volume, you know, all the different things. And then they added in ozone. He actually ended up gaining, I think it was six or seven pounds, which is quite a bit for a triathlete. You know, they're usually pretty stable. He knows his diet um, and his time increased by 45 minutes uh, doing the triathlon. So he had a huge, or it might be Ironman. I, I commonly mistake those two because Ironman is the longer one, right? But whatever the longer triathlon is, that's what he was doing. So he had a huge increase on his time and he had a big increase on his weight, helping him just to be stronger overall. Why does it make you increase your weight? And does it always do that? Is that always an effect? Uh, no, I don't know specifically why it did for him. Uh, that's just what he reported back because like I said, he was doing everything the same except he added in the ozone therapy. So 
I'm not sure if maybe it just helped his metabolism better for maybe muscle building. So he probably added some muscle, maybe some water retention if he was dehydrated. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but no, I mean, from my experience, it like Dr. Frank Schallenberger actually wrote the type two diabetes breakthrough and it's looking at type two diabetes and saying like kind of the fundamental issue of it is metabolism, right? Not metabolizing quite right. So um, he wrote his entire book saying that ozone therapy is actually able to reverse some of this uh, type two diabetes symptoms and actually help people to lose a significant amount of weight just by increasing their metabolism and ability to utilize uh, their energy appropriately. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it could depend on the person and where they're at. Um, but yeah, I'm not exactly sure why he gained the six pounds specifically. Okay, good. Cause that's not my personal aim, but I also have not seen that as an effective <laughs> yeah. ozone. So I'm just making sure, uh, if I increase my, uh, you know, weekly usage, I'm not going to put on like 10 pounds. <laughs> so I want to talk about ozone oils as well. So can you do this at home? It's one thing I've never done, but I think that you guys offer some ozone oils or I know there's some companies that do. Sometimes I use them on my gums, um, but I want to talk about, first of all, can you do ozone oils at home with like an olive oil or what would you recommend? And then let's talk about the benefits for skin in terms of beauty and also for maybe your oral microbiome or your gums. Yeah. So um, you can make ozone oil at home. It's pretty simple. There's the oxygen tank that you hook up to the ozone generator and by the way, there's information on how to set up all this stuff with like videos and demonstrations. So as I'm describing it, don't, if you're thinking about getting it, don't worry about all the details. You'll have all that, but you have your oxygen tank, your ozone generator, and then this thing called an oil bubbler. Um, so essentially you fill up your oil bubbler, which kind of looks like this little laboratory glassware type thing. Uh, it's pretty cool, but, uh, has this little flask and that's just, um, just like my, hydro flask, but just something like this, except it's made out of glass that you fill with oil. And then you turn on your oxygen tank, you turn on your ozone generator, and it starts bubbling the ozone gas through the oil. You let it run for a few hours at like, uh, um, yeah, about three to like six hours or so, depending on how strong you want it to be. Cause the longer you let it run, the stronger it's going to be. Um, and that, creates uh, peroxides within the oil. So peroxides are similar to ozone. They're not the exact same. The nice thing with peroxides is that they're stable. So we didn't mention earlier, but ozone is very instable, meaning that it's going to break down, which is why we can't just bottle ozone gas and send it to you, or why we can't just bottle ozone water and send it to somebody because the ozone is actually going to break down and revert back into oxygen within an hour or two. Um, but when you put it into oil, that creates a peroxide that has a shelf life of about two years, depending on how strong it is and, you know, how you make it and all those kinds of things. Um, really common for, uh, we talked earlier about the skin infections and things of that nature. And that's kind of where I come from is more of the, the medical aspect of ozone therapy. But when you're considering beauty care or things like that, uh, it's pretty common also for acne or just like on night, you just take the ozone oil after it has the peroxides in it rub it onto the desired area before bed and uh, just rub it in well. And it's, it's that simple, but what it's doing is it's killing off the bad bacteria. Um, and then it's stimulating a rejuvenating response. So how it does that is the ozone oil is actually brought into the skin and it creates small amounts of natural hydrogen peroxide. So our bodies actually create hydrogen peroxide. This stimulates your skin to do that. 
Um, and then it helps with the release of growth factor from the platelets within the skin. So that's why it can help with some of the rejuvenating factors. Absolutely. I think that that's great. So is it, so is it um, okay to use on a daily basis? So if you're having some breakouts, um, can you use it on a daily basis? Or is it something that you want to kind of reel in and do a little bit less often, maybe like once or twice? Well, first of all, I'd recommend trying it out on your skin and seeing how your skin responds because everybody has different skin, right? So something that work, works for somebody is not going to work for all people. Um, I've seen people with particularly sensitive skin that they just don't get a great response for it. They might get a very small breakout. So just try it on a small area. You could just do your neck, just like a little dab there and see if there's any sort of uh, response that you don't want from it. But yeah, you could do it like if you're like, say you have like cystic acne or like something that's more severe, definitely do it up to like three times daily, or if you have that skin infection, but if you're just doing beauty care and just trying to have, you know, kind of the glowing skin thing going on, uh, you can do it once a day or less is totally fine. You could even do it three times a week. And that, that would get some of those th benefits that you're looking for. Great. So what about gum health? So I talk a lot about um, the importance of oral health on, I think that the link between cardiovascular health is pretty well established and pretty well known, but there's also a pretty strong correlation between brain health and healthy gums. How can ozone help benefit that? Yeah. So as far as um, like a lot of those pathologies come from infections in our teeth and in our gums, right? So we have a lot of bacteria there that shouldn't be there that are causing some stress on the body, some systemic issues. So the way that the ozone oil, just like the skin, it's going to kill off the bad bacteria. The best way to do it is if you have specifically like receding gums or something on the gums that you're trying to clear up or just to help promote some of the health in a specific area, you just rub it into the gums and try to leave it there. Uh, the reason you want it to leave it there is because it's going to have a more sustained effect. And by leave it there, I mean like 20 minutes or less, uh, like 15 to 20 minutes is good. The other option is oil pulling. So if you have a infection that's driven down into the tooth, it's really hard to get that, right? Because a tooth is kind of like a sponge and then it has all these tubules. So if you were to take a tooth apart, I can't remember what it is, you know, wraps around the world 10 times or <laughs> it's, it's not that, but you know what I mean? There's, there's all these little tubules. So what that means is it's really tough to get to that infection. And that's why people do oil pulling which means that you leave oil in your mouth for 15 minutes, 20 minutes and swish it around so that it drives down into that tooth. It gets the infection. Now with ozone oil, that's like ozone, uh, that's like oil pulling on steroids because now you're introducing that really strong antiseptic and that healing response into that area. Uh, so you can, yeah, just swish it around for 10, 15 minutes works for uh, brightening up teeth, just rejuvenating some of the uh, positive effects in the mouth. Uh, the one thing I would want to mention though, is with ozone water, you don't want to be using it like every day. So if you have a dental infection or, you know, you're drinking ozone water, the biome of the mouth is really important. We always talk about the biome of the gut, but the biome of the mouth is super important. So when you're drinking ozone water or swishing it around in the mouth, um, you're actually taking that ozone gas and killing off a lot of the bacteria. Now, if you want to do that, not very frequently, or you have an infection might be good to do, but definitely not every day. The ozone oil is a little bit more gentle. So you're not going to have that kind of wipeout effect, but just wanted to mention that on the ozone water. So if you were to ozonate an oil to do the oil pulling, so I do oil pulling in the morning, but I use coconut oil. Can you ozonate a coconut oil or is it too thick? Yeah, you can, you want to heat it. So you want to get the coconut oil to a liquid before you start. 
And then once you get the ozone gas in there, it's actually going to retain some of that heat because what's happening is it's breaking off the carbon chain of the oil um, and it's combining the ozone gas in there to make that peroxide. So that actually creates some heat from the process itself. Um, but yeah, you would want it to be liquid when you start and it's easy to do. So if you have a coconut oil, you just run it under warm water for however long you need to, to get it into a liquid and then put it in. Most people use olive oil. Uh, that's the most common, but you can really use whatever your favorite oil is. The only thing I would say is like, if you're using a really expensive oil that has like very specific properties in it that you want, let's just take uh, CBD oil, for instance. Um, you don't necessarily want to be bubbling the ozone into that. I would just use a ozone oil and that oil separately because it's going to be breaking down some of the base properties of that oil just by nature of the fact of what it's creating. So if you have like a really expensive oil, um, you don't necessarily want to degrade the base properties that you're trying to extract from that. So just make sure if you have a good oil, use that separately from when you're making an ozone oil. Agreed. And if you do do it for like a coconut oil for a coconut oil pulling, you would want to just make small amounts, right? Because the ozone will dissipate essentially over time. So it's not like you can ozonate an entire container of uh, coconut oil and keep it by your bathroom, right? You would have to do it on a daily basis if you were going to use it for, well, not daily because you don't recommend that, but like every couple of days, you would have to re-ozonate the oil, right? No, that's kind of one of the nice things about ozone oil is that it's stable. So it's going to have a two-year shelf life, essentially. And it depends on like the manufacturing methods or the, how you make it at home and how strong it is. Um, the reason why people buy ozone oil over making it at home is because essentially it's able to be created to a much higher quality, much more stable and much stronger. Um, so if you are actually actively trying to get rid of an infection, I would recommend buying it over just making it. But if you're just doing some of these cosmetic things or just general care, it's great to make, but no, I, I would be comfortable with having it. Um, if I made it at home personally, I'd be comfortable having it around for nine, 10 months and regularly using it. If you store it in the fridge, it'll last even longer. Okay, great. So the water is just a little bit different then because it does kind of clear out of the water fairly quickly, right? In a couple hours? Yep. The water and the gas are different. Um, and the reason is because those are actual ozone molecules. So the ozone gas is infused into the water, the ozone gas by itself. And that's what breaks down. But when we put it into the oil, we're creating not ozone gas, but peroxides. So the peroxides are stable. Wonderful. Thank you for that clarification. So we were talking a little bit about different beauty pieces of ozone, but at the end of the day, I really want the audience to understand that it can be a very powerful tool to improve some pretty serious health conditions. Um, and of course, I know that you can only say so much, but what are some of the studies or even some of the antidotes that you've heard? Um, what are some, or, or also who are your, some of your top customers? What are they coming to you for? Top people that are using ozone therapy are cancer, Lyme, mold, uh, infections, and autoimmune disorders. So even like rheumatoid arthritis is actually an autoimmune disorder. A lot of people with autoimmune don't know that that's classified as autoimmune. Um, but those are the top ones. And the reason, uh, let's just break them down a little bit. So for cancer, the reason is, is because of the oxygen efficiency, the increase in metabolism. And if you're doing chemotherapy, there's actually really good research that it helps to mitigate some of the negative effects of chemotherapy. So essentially a much better quality of life, a lot more energy than if you weren't using it. 
Um, and then if they're not doing chemotherapy clinics, like hope for cancer are using it because of the oxygen efficiency, just benefiting the whole body and trying to get that body to be able to eliminate that cancer, at least slow down, uh, some of the growth, um, Lyme, you know, it's an infection and I guess you can group in really any infections into, uh, the reason why it works for them, but, um, it's able to immune balance and just get the body up and running. So it's going to turn that immune system on, start killing off some of those things that are tough to kill, uh, can be really helpful for that. Um, autoimmune, like we said, on the one side, if your immunosuppressed brings it up autoimmune over, uh, reacting, and you can go and look like autoimmune ozone therapy and just click on images. You'll see some pretty, uh, cool bef before and after photos. So you'll see people that just their skin looks like it's scaly. They're super, super inflamed. It looks, you know, you can tell the person's just really sick. And then after a few ozone therapies, they're like back to normal. So it's pretty wild what it can do with that. Um, but it really will suppress a lot of those, those things, mold toxicity, helping with some of that detox effect, helping with the microcirculation, helping the body to put the things in where it's supposed to, and get rid of the things that are not supposed to be there. Um, and then there's, I know we kind of covered preventative care, but just as a prophylactic, so preventing from either you used to have like a chronic infection or some sort of chronic prevent that from coming back. Um, or if you're just trying to be healthy and prevent from getting sick. Yeah. I, I'm glad that we kind of did this breakdown. So with so much education on this, why do you think it is that this is not more widely used? Do you think it's just because it's not as profitable as per se drugs are? I think there's a lot of things to it. I think the fact that like you've heard of ozone as a pollutant or the ozone layer. So that adds like all these assumptions around ozone. We know you can't breathe ozone, like breathing ground level ozone. It's not good for you. So then people just equate ozone as all bad. There's no use for it. Um, but usually that's because they haven't done any reading and they have just looked at one side of things. Even people that are like I've never met somebody that seems really highly educated has gone through all the ozone therapy literature. And it's like, this stuff doesn't work. Like I, I have not met one person yet. Usually every time there's somebody that's like ozone therapy is dumb. It doesn't work is they're taking like kind of one side of it, which is, well, you can't breathe it. And then therefore it can't be used for anything, but that's not true. So I think that's one aspect is people just don't know a whole lot about ozone therapy, but there is kind of a more general knowledge and assumptions around ozone itself. Um, secondly is I think the money thing. So um, how the system is set up is that you to get FDA approval, you have to have a lot of money. Um, going for registration on FDA approval is only $50,000, but getting all the studies and research and science behind it to get something through FDA approval can be anywhere from 50, $200 million. You know, it's very, very expensive to actually do that. Um, so you would have to go through that process. And I think one day we'll be able to actually through the dental stuff and then off label it for other things. So I'm really looking forward to that. So that's kind of the, I would say six, seven year goal at this point is getting it through FDA approval and then doctors can use it for whatever they want to, but a very, very expensive and there's not the money in it like there would be for a drug. So that's why drugs are so easy to get FDA approved because if you have an immediate alleviation of symptoms that the patient notices, um, regardless of if that's actually good for their overall health, you're going to get that out to a lot of people right away. And they're going to have to continue to take it 
for those alleviation of symptoms. So if you're looking at somebody with a chronic disease and you have a, a pill that helps with some of the symptoms that they have to keep taking it, that's what's called customer lifetime value. So they can calculate out like, oh, I get one patient on this. I'll make $150,000 for over the course of his lifetime. So then they calculate out how many patients, all this, and then they get funding and they go through FDA approval. And then on their side, everybody wins. Now the patient doesn't win because they just got a masking of symptoms, but that's kind of how the system works. So you have to have a lot of capital, a lot of finance. And the reason I think dental is a better route for uh, going through is because it'll be a lot less expensive. It's pretty easy to prove that ozone is able to get rid of uh, bacteria and virus. And if we can find a way to do that, that um, no risk of breathing, things of that nature. Uh, I think it'll be a lot, lot less expensive. Um, so I, th I think it could potentially get FDA approval, but right now, as it stands for the IV treatments, if you're making, let's say um, the doctor makes $75 per IV treatment, which might even be a lot depending on the doctor and how much they're charging. Um, and you have to do six to eight treatments to help something that severe. That's not very much money, especially when you're talking about it relative to $100 million. There's no way you're going to make that. So that that would be a big part of it. The other reason, and I know I'm getting kind of long-winded on this, is because it's non-patentable. Um, so you have to find a way to patent things to get it through FDA approval, because once you get it through FDA approval, and if you don't have a patent, that means that anybody could create the machine that you just got through FDA approval and sell it to their own clientele. So John and Johnson and Johnson could be like, oh, well, thank you for spending the $100 million. We have the infrastructure to push this out for everybody. Now we don't have to pay the $100 million, so we'll just push it to everybody. So nobody really wants to accept that risk to get ozone therapy out there. Yeah, that that all makes a lot of sense. And, and I agree with it. So I'm happy that you're going on all these podcasts lately, and it's becoming a little bit more popular, I think. Um, what about ozone shots? So I know that you can use, and this would be done at a clinic, not at home, but can you talk about why someone might do that or what it could be useful for, like an intramuscular or if you're having back pain, something of that nature, how it can be used? Yeah, one of the best success, uh, success not stories, but successes that ozone therapy has is for ozone injections for herniated discs. It has about the same success rate as surgery, which is wild because it's only 500 wow. bucks, not very invasive. And it can 70% of the time uh, help a herniated disc. And there's a ton of research on it. So science is essentially replicability. So can I do something and get the same results every single time? And you can actually go and look at ozone therapy, herniated discs, and find 10, 15 different studies from different practitioner groups all over the world who have the same results on that. So that's that's one of the poster childs for ozone therapy is like, we have the same success rate as surgery. It's gonna cost 500 bucks. 30% uh, of the people won't help for, but at least you tried something that's minimally invasive and gonna help. Um, it, it really anything joint related because it's helping repair that area uh, by causing the microcirculation, getting the blood flow, cutting the inflammation, um, so if you have uh, knee issues, reconstructions, uh, arthritis, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid uh, can be really helpful for those things. Uh, you said intramuscular, um, not as common for like joint injections and helping the joints to heal, but that could be used as an actual, there's a, something called minor autohemotherapy, 
which is a intramuscular injection. And that's actually a systemic benefit. Um, so that's more often used for that. Sometimes doctors will inject into the muscles next to a joint to try to help the joint. So like chiropractors in Utah can actually do injections now, but it has to be periarticular, which means that they can't inject into the joint space. Like they can't go directly into the knee, but they can go into kind of some of the muscle tissue around it. So if there's torn ligaments and it doesn't help with full tears, nothing's going to help with a full tear because your body just, there's nothing to, no place for it to reconnect there essentially. Um, or at least you have to do surgery is what I mean. But, um, if there's like partial tears, it can actually help to heal up that, to get it back up and running and get it going. But, um, anyway, back to the chiropractors, they can inject next to it and it's going to help with some of the ligament and tendon tears that people have. Very cool. There's so many different uses for ozone. Um, what about, can it break up scar tissue? I've heard that it can. Yeah. So that's an injection as well. So let's say you have a scar and scars can be for some people, it's just an aesthetic thing. Like I don't like the look of it for other people. Scars can be immensely painful cause like pulling of the fascia. So the fascia is the thing that ties our muscle bodies together. So it's tightening. It makes it hard for you to do things can actually cause you to tear a shoulder. If you have a big scar in your lower back, so all that fascia is tightening up, crossing over and making everything tough to use in the way that it's supposed to. So breaking up the scars can be immensely beneficial. So what they do is they take a syringe with some ozone gas, like 20 cc's, they have a needle and then they bend the needle so that it just goes right under the skin of the scar and they just inject it and keep it injecting it. Lots of little different injections. And that helps to break the scar up. Um, you'll see the redness go away. You'll see the size of the scar reduce. It's not going to be gone. Like it was never there, but it's definitely going to help with any pain or just the aesthetic of the scar is going to be improved because you'll get rid of some of the redness. You'll help to get rid of some of that buildup that's been present for a long time. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so the last question I have for you. So we know that you have the machine, but then there's another component that you need, um, medical grade air or an air supply. Can you talk a little bit about that for anyone that's looking to actually purchase one for their home? Yeah. So to operate the equipment, you need an oxygen tank. Um, and if you're considering getting it, you have one of two options, which is one is what you mentioned, which is medical oxygen, which requires a prescription. So you'd have to go to a doctor, get a prescription. However, there's a much easier way for most people. So you can decide to go get commercial oxygen, which is the exact same grade of oxygen. They're both 99.9%. They're both filled from the same spigot. They're just in different uh, cylinders. And the reason is because medical oxygen is regulated like a drug. I don't know why, but that's how it's treated. So essentially they view it as you're buying a drug from them rather than buying oxygen. Uh, the commercial oxygen though, is something that's used for welding, things of that nature. It's the exact same thing, just in a different tank, doesn't require a prescription for the commercial oxygen. You can look up weld supply near me and Google, uh, there's air gas. So you can Google air gas. You can Google Prax air. You just go in and say, I need a 40 cubic foot oxygen tank. So that's 40 cubic feet. Uh, it's about 16 inches tall, weighs about 10 pounds. So it's not huge. I have one under my sink at this Airbnb right now. Um, they're pretty easy to get a hold of, but yeah, those are basically your two options for getting oxygen, uh, for ozone. Well, I think we covered a lot today. Um, I'm going to put all of your details in the show notes and simply O3. I also have a code, so I'll drop all that information in the show notes, but Micah, it was so great to chat with you and discuss all things ozone today. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's been really cool to see it progress over the last year, Kayla. And I appreciate, you know, I know we haven't connected a ton, but it's been cool to get to know you and kind of see uh, just the success you're having. So I'm super thankful for you and happy for you. Thank you so much. I, I feel the exact same. I'll talk to you soon. Hacking was created and is hosted by Kayla Barnes. This podcast is for informational purposes only and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kayla Barnes, does not accept responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of the information contained herein. Opinions of their guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical issue, consult a licensed physician.